Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, a podcast about broadband and how it impacts all of us. Join us to learn about the state of the industry and the latest innovations and trends. Connect with the thought leaders, pioneers, and policymakers helping to shape your future through broadband. Join us on Facebook at The Broadband Bunch and see the latest episodes, news, and photos. The Broadband Bunch, as always, sponsored by ETI Software. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Broadband Bunch. I'm Craig Corbin. Thanks so much for joining us. Back in 2004, the Utah Telecommunication Open Infrastructure Agency, or Utopia, a group of 11 Utah cities, began a quest to provide blazingly fast internet speeds, along with telephony and television services, by building, deploying, and operating a fiber-to-the-home network to every business and household within their communities. Fast forward to the global pandemic year of 2020, and the already consistent growth in residential signups jumped by more than 50%, the biggest one-year increase in the consortium's history. Now, Utopia Fiber's 15 service areas represent nearly a third of all communities in the United States that can enjoy 10 gigabit service via a publicly owned network, a mark that is 100 times faster than the national average of 8 megabits per second. It is always a pleasure to welcome our guests today. Chief Marketing Officer for Utopia, Kim McKinley, and Executive Director of Utopia, Roger Timmerman. Kim, Roger, welcome to the Broadband Bunch. Thanks. We're excited to be here. It's uh, always fun to talk about fiber, so it's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. You know, it, it is it is always a treat to check in with what's happening uh, with Utopia. And I have, have joked with Kim uh, on a couple of occasions. It seems as though every time I check my Twitter feed, uh, you guys are adding another city, uh, more expansion of the network. Uh, it is amazing what the last 12, 18 months uh, have brought for Utopia. Uh, and, and you look at the numbers and it is staggering growth. Yeah, it's it, it surprises us too. Except that we're all losing our minds with how busy we are. <laughs> so, but it uh, you know we've been at this thing for a long time, and I think a lot of people are familiar with Utopia uh, because we've been in this game for a while. Uh, like you said, for, since two thousand four. Um, but yeah, you look at the numbers, and you know we put on a lot of customers this last year. This uh, spiking demand. Uh, you know, related to COVID, but also not related to COVID. I mean, we were spiking before that, but uh, you put COVID into the mix uh, and it really uh, pushed us up into numbers. We had no idea we could ever be hitting uh, and, and people were just flooding us with requests. Um, from our perspective, uh, you know, it was, it was an emergency situation, right? We had communities that in the past maybe thought, well, Utopia is a great service. We had good take rates. Uh, but suddenly we were pushed into our homes for for work, for school, for medicine. Uh, and this became a critical service like we've never seen before. And the result of that is people were desperately needing better broadband. And so when people were calling us, it wasn't just, well, I, I need to save some money or maybe I need a little bit more speed. It was, you know, suddenly my entire household is trying to function from home and the service we have is inadequate. And we are suffering, right? We are 
struggling. We were trying to get these sessions to work and we're buffering and 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 so it became an emergency situation for a lot of communities that that needed to function in this difficult time. And from our perspective, it wasn't just, you know, hey, let's let's get more customers. It was an emergency situation to get people connected and to meet that need uh, so that they could function and not be at a disadvantage during, uh, you know, having to do everything remotely. And and one that it, obviously Utopia was able to to embrace and, and handle. But but back to to the point that you just made, Roger and, and Kim, from from your perspective, I know that this is something that uh, you and your team have been been preaching for years, and that is the benefits of telecommuting. Talk about that. Absolutely. I think that we live in Utah, and if everybody thinks that the mountains and we're so healthy here, we have great air, but in um, actuality, in the winter, Utah has some of the worst air quality in the nation. Um, So we want to facilitate um, improving the air quality by letting people work from home. And our traffic is uh, becoming increasingly bad, as I say, that um, the masses are leaving California and moving to Utah because uh, every day I see a new person move into my neighborhood who's not from here. And uh, so we want to help Utah continue to grow, but grow in a way um, that makes the most sense. So having people be able to telecommute has been really beneficial to not only um, people's home lives, um, but the Utah in general. What I like to say, too, is We've been preaching telecommunications here at the Utah uh, Utopia for years, um, but we would always used to come into work uh, every day. So now we're practicing what we preach as well. Um, I'm at home. I'm sure Roger is at home as well this morning. So uh, yeah, it's kind of it's been a fun time to really uh, look at what we've been preaching for so long come to actuality. And and that's really the the new norm, I guess, for a, a huge percentage of the workforce. Uh, and of course, uh, Roger, when we talk about uh, Utopia uh, overall, there there may be some uh, listening to the podcast that might not be familiar with the open access approach that's utilized there. Give us an overview for those that might not be familiar. Yeah. So from a public perspective, you know, we see kind of two per, two approaches to broadband. And, you know, one of those is uh, throw money at the, the incumbents to take incremental improvement. <laughs> and and that doesn't work very well, to be honest. I mean, what we see is program after program that attempts to improve and provide good broadband. Uh, and, and, you know, there's incremental benefits there. I'm not saying they, they're not completely ineffective, but uh, another approach that cities have taken is to get involved. And the cities struggle with that because they say, well, what if we build our own fiber networks? We don't really want to compete with the private companies. Uh, we may be not as innovative as them or we may, you know, want things that they they offer that we can't do from a city perspective, and so there was this idea of doing open access. Uh, it's been done very commonly in Europe, uh, but it's pretty rare in the United States, and we're the, the largest one. Um, but the idea is that the cities would put in the fiber infrastructure, and and then just let the private companies come in and use that fiber. So it it, it bifurcates the 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 service from the infrastructure. And the benefit of that is that we don't compete with the private sector, we enable the private sector. And so from a before and after perspective, looking at our cities, you know, we we started with maybe the cable company and the telephone company, that we have the duopoly that we have in most of the country. And when we come in with municipal fiber, that's an open access model, we don't go from two options 
to three, we go from two options to uh, 17 options, right? You know, we add 14 or 15 service providers that participate on the Utopia Fiber network, and you, we dramatically increase the options and competition and innovation out there. And so it, it's a really a nice mix. It works politically because, you know, cities don't necessarily want to compete with the private companies, uh, but we like to facilitate them. You know, we, we like fair, free markets and competition uh, and the, the capital costs of fiber generally limit or make it very prohibitive for new entrants into that space. Right. And of course, anybody comes into a market, you see the incumbents start. Uh, actually providing better service and competing and lowering pricing and things like that. What a concept. Uh, but we've, yeah, we, <laughs> but we've been, uh, <laughs> been fortunate to stick with this long enough that, that we've been successful financially, uh, at least in the, you know, in the recent years, last 10 years or so, it's been very financially successful. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, it, it works really well. It's uh, cities own the pipes and uh, different companies provide the water in those pipes. Or, you know, another analogy would be uh, an airport like where a city would put in an airport, let different airlines come in and use that and compete. Uh, cities also put in roads and we, you know, let anybody come in and use their, their own cars and they may be businesses or residents and whatever using the, the, that public infrastructure. And that's the way we treat fiber. We put the fiber in, let anybody wants to use it, use it. Uh, some cases they might be a competitor of ours, you know, or at least they think that we're a competitor. We're like, well, we don't really see that we have competitors. We put the fiber out there and anybody that would benefit from that, whether it's a, a wireless provider, a, a mobile provider, uh, uh, governmental, uh, uh, religious institutions, uh, you know, any, anybody who, who wants that for their purposes can come in and use that. Um, but the most common is uh, homes and businesses for Internet service. Those are perfect analogies. And, and Kim, would it be a correct assumption that this type of competition actually uh, increases customer satisfaction overall? Am I correct? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. When you have 14 different companies who are competing um, for one customer, you increase um, the customer experience exponentially um, because those ISPs are aware that like, they can call, that customer can call in or call into the ISP and switch to another ISP that same day. So they have more like more at stake than they ever have. Like when you go into these communities with just a monopoly, you see that the customer experience isn't good because the, the consumers don't have any other choice. Um, not even just, we have 14 providers competing on our network, but you have a couple other providers who are also in these areas. So there's 16 providers competing. Um, so everybody is um, top notch. So in the Utopia communities, you see the incumbents lower their prices to try to even compete. And they, they come out with better customer service in some of these areas. So when competition just drives everything better for the consumer, uh, and that is what we preach at Utopia, that we really want the customer to be at the forefront of everything that we do to make sure their experience. We, we've wanted to be a disruption um, to change this industry for the better and not just um, have some of the lowest uh, satisfaction ratings um, in the country. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, making sure that the end user, the, the customers, are taken care of to the best possible uh, way in uh, in the area. By the way, this is the Broadband Bunch. We are visiting today with Kim McKinley, Chief Marketing Officer for Utopia, as well as Roger Timmerman, the Executive Director 
of Utopia. And and guys, we we referenced the uh, the record breaking numbers from 2020, uh, and they're amazing. Uh, Roger, I think it was 1.7 million feet of new underground conduit uh, installed, 1.4 million feet of fiber that was placed, um, and then better than 20,000 homes able to connect. Uh, those are, are staggering jumps. Talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, historically, we, I mentioned, we've been at this for a while, you know, started in 2004. So you can say, well, all those years from 2004 to 2019, you know, we built out networks in various cities and got just, just over a hundred thousand uh, addresses passed where there's fiber available to them. And just in this last year, to increase that by about 25,000, uh, about 20,000 of those uh, were homes. Uh, but there's a lot of construction, right? And and when you reference those the footages, you know, 1.7 million feet of conduit is a lot of conduit. And that may not be so much if you're going long haul fiber. You know, th- those are numbers that a lot of companies may be doing. But this is 1.7 million feet of conduit and fiber put in the ground in neighborhoods, right? This is in people's front yards. This is last mile fiber and conduit, and that is a massive amount of construction. So, you know, we're very proud of, of those numbers and the amount of work that's gone on, and we'll probably exceed that this year. Uh, we are very, very active and have you know, more cities than ever uh, seeking out solutions. Uh, that They've come to realize this is not going to be a problem that just solves itself, that these uh, cities probably need to take matters into their own hands uh, in a way that's non-competitive, right? You know, that goes back to that open access model. Uh, this is pretty good fit, uh, both for the private sector and the public sector. It's a good partnership. And so we're uh, we're ramping up still, despite having a, a year that was uh, incredibly busy for us. That's exciting. And, and a part of that excitement, Kim, uh, is news that uh, a number of the member cities have uh, been able to achieve their uh, revenue marks uh, well ahead of uh, what the uh, the anticipated schedule was. I think Morgan City, uh, a full year ahead of schedule. Payson City, uh, the better part of a year ahead of schedule. Talk about how that also provides uh, positive uh, momentum for the organization. Well, I like to say that it's all because of me that they hit those um, <laughs> revenue marks ahead of schedule. Um, That's true. Because <laughs> whether, whether it's true or not, I say it all the time. But uh, in actuality, um, I think what is really exciting is it builds some momentum, that, momentum for cities who are looking to do this, saying that they can build a project um, at very, virtually no cost um, to the residents of that city. So when they other cities in Utah and around the country are seeing what we're doing and saying that Morgan City um, came on last year, their first customer was connected in January of last year, and they hit the revenue mark, I think, by March of last year um, and saying, well, we did it and there's no cost to the taxpayers. I think that is a huge momentum for other cities who are looking to get into this versus other solutions that are out there that cost the taxpayers a mighty, um, a mighty dollar. Absolutely. And uh, well, and we hate to undervalue it, saying, hey, this is something that, that would be free to the city, because if we really looked at this in the context of other things that cities do, like building parks or rec centers or things like that, you know, I think, you know, having a fiber infrastructure in place 
is worth every dollar. And what I mean is that you go to a city and say, hey, this might be a $40 million project to build this thing out. The result of that is that, you know, the residents are probably going to save 20 to $30 a month in services, but they're going to get a better service as well. Uh, and they're, they're also, this is going to support city services, uh, you know, smart city applications, uh, you know, all this amazing benefit, increased property values. You know, we, there's a lot of studies out there that talk about the benefits of a fiber network. And if ultimately that project were to be paid for by the cities and the taxpayers of that city, it would be worth it. It, it is one of the very best benefits that can come to a community and is worth that su- sort of investment. If a project like that needs partial subsidy and could mostly be paid for, even partially paid for by the subscriptions of the customers, well, then it becomes kind of a no-brainer. And then we go in there and say, well, not only that, but we have these many examples of where they completely pay for themselves from the voluntary subscriptions at no cost to the taxpayer. And and that's, you know, cities hear that and they say, well, that, that's not realistic. Um, but we've been able to deliver on that many times. You know, the, the demand for this sort of service has changed dramatically over time. And we've been able to demonstrate that over and over um, with you know, we're kind of a 10 for 10 is kind of the way we look at it uh, from since 2009. Uh, we've done over $230 million of these uh, fiber projects in different cities, and all of them are being paid for uh, just from voluntary subscriptions uh, with no cost falling back to those cities. So as more and more cities are successful, more and more cities are looking at that saying, how do we do that? That's amazing. Uh, and and that's what's really driving up a lot of uh, not the consumer demand, but the city demand. Cities coming to yeah. us saying, you know, this, this looks like a great plan, and we want to participate. Exactly. Yet again, yeah, yet again because of me. Thank you, Roger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to and, and a lot of that's possible because it's it's incremental to what we're already doing. You know, we've made before that two hundred million dollar investment that's been good. There was the original phase of Utopia, which was critical in putting in a backbone throughout Utah and. And establishing a lot of the systems, uh, software, people, facilities. And so a lot of these new projects benefit because they're just incremental to what has been done previously. Um, but but then we did a, a partnership with Idaho Falls. And I, n- I don't know how familiar you are with that. But, you know, we were still able to leverage a lot of our existing uh, resources, even though it didn't include any existing fiber in that market up in Idaho. There's, you know, it's kind of an island to us. It's a, you know, independent uh, system. Um, but we were able to go in there and, and utilize our people and our software and our systems and processes uh, to and, and design that system and operate that for them. And they were able to avoid, you know, the startup costs and the risks and, and a lot of the costs of, uh, you know, vendor margins and things like that, because they were able to kind of come in under what we were already doing and had already negotiated. Uh, and it was just really, from our perspective, a copy paste job from what we were already doing in other cities and and uh, it saved them a significant amount of money and risk and it's been a great partnership and from our perspective it you know that Idaho Falls might as well be in uh, Florida or New York or somewhere else uh, it doesn't matter geographically where those partnerships might be um, but uh, Utopia is a you know consortium of cities and you know we're excited to help where we can with the additional cities that might be interested in doing this sort of model. And when you look at, as you referenced, being 10 for 10, you know, Kim, obviously, in, in talking with uh, additional municipalities who might have interest, you know, part of this is uh, making sure that, that there's an understanding that it's not just a short-term benefit, but long-term uh, survival 
from an economic standpoint for many municipalities uh, to embrace this type of approach. Talk about that if you would. Yeah, it's interesting. This is not just for people watching YouTube. This is not for people having faster Facebook. This is about like we're trying to change communities um, from an economic development standpoint to, you know, like I mentioned, air quality and like, um, you know, making everybody's life better um, with connectivity, even from smart city applications that we deploy throughout our uh, network. Um, our network uh, spans 200 miles plus in Utah. Um, along the Wasatch front and even some on the Wasatch back. And we, we have, we're deploying all kinds of smart city sensors and we're helping economic development. We were, Roger and I were actually at a chamber of commerce meeting um, yesterday in a small Utah area and a rural Utah area. And they, they were talking about the need for broadband and connectivity and how by getting more broadband that it would help economic development because this little area, um, they can't, support a tax base um, without bringing more businesses to the area. And they can't with um, some of the the current incumbents in the area who are providing one meg um, service <laughs> for a business, which is just not, un uh, that's not sustainable for business growth in an area. Uh, one meg. I mean, I felt like I was back in 1995 um, <laughs> when they were talking those speeds. Well, and they, they had a frustration that I thought was interesting in the sense that we have built Morgan City yeah, and so in inside the city limits, you have 10 gigabits available anywhere, any, anywhere in that entire city. And as soon as you leave that city, the rest of the county has what was there without Utopia Fiber, which was those, you know, one meg and five meg at most uh, services. And, and it's a dramatic difference in quality of life and economic opportunity for those people in the in unincorporated county areas. So we were up there, you know, trying to figure out, well, let's get this thing expanded out to the county areas. Um, but, you know, it, it, it just showcases, you know, how big of a difference that is to for the haves and have nots when it comes to broadband. And so we really, you know, although we, most of our builds have been in cities, you know, we're very interested in continuing to expand that out into more and more rural areas because there's obviously a huge demand out there for that. You're listening to the Broadband Bunch. We're visiting with Roger Timmerman, Executive Director of Utopia, and Kim McKinley, Chief Marketing Officer for Utopia. Uh, Roger, you mentioned uh, earlier the, the explosive growth that continues uh, with regard to the network. And I would assume that uh, with multiple projects going on, you've had to embrace uh, parallel project construction. Talk about that if you would. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we get some cities... Uh, where we over overwhelm them a little bit <laughs> from a construction <laughs> perspective. You know, I, I share you those numbers with you. You know, that's a lot of construction um, and construction is is impactful, right? I mean, uh, you know, they get complaints and, and you know, we dig a lot of holes and we, we move a lot of dirt and uh, we go fix them. And, you know, we take a lot of pride in in uh, the, the restoration work that happens. Uh, also, uh, with few exceptions, uh, there, there are some area, aerial areas, but most of our stuff is underground. And even our boxes, all of our uh, splice enclosures and things, we put them all in underground vaults uh, as opposed to the pedestals and boxes and things that you see from the telephone and cable companies. So our installation is actually really clean when we're done. But man, when it's going in, it's, it's a mess, right? And so the cities struggle to keep up with inspections and permitting and things like that. And really the only way we've been able to do as much as we have 
is by doing a lot in parallel. So we have active construction right now going on in I don't know how many cities, but uh, Murray, Orem, Midville, uh, Center, uh, not Centerville, um, Clearfield, uh, <laughs> probably a couple other, Payson, uh, you know, just lots of different projects. And each one of those cities has multiple areas being done in different parts of the city at the same time. And, and that's really uh, even that point, you know, I think some of these cities are kind of crying uncle a little bit like, well, you're, you're, you're overwhelming us a little bit with all these permits and construction and all that. But, uh, you know, they work closely with us. And uh, when we're done, they're pretty happy with it. And, and every yeah. one of these cities becomes a reference for the next city or, you know, a, a, someone that to help us and an advocate sure. for that. And Roger, I think to put it into perspective of how fast we're growing, I know our conduit crews has have eight crews out um, doing co- like just drop conduit today alone. Um, and it's snowing out here. So um, it's just a lot of construction. If you're talking eight crews and they're doing, you know, 10 drops a piece, um, they're, they're, we're building at an astronomical rate. Roger doesn't let me sleep a lot. So um, I know all these facts. Well, he I, just lets me. <laughs> that obviously comes hand in hand with the, the phenomenal growth that Utopia has, has experienced in the last 12, 18 months. Uh, I'm sure that sleep is a precious commodity and you you value it when you do but you know Kim from your standpoint obviously all this success the phenomenal growth does make it a wonderful story to tell when you are spreading the word uh, about utopia and by the way congratulations uh if i am reading correctly in 2020 uh you guys ended up the year with a 4.5 out of 5 google rating uh so congrats there um Obviously, you're doing many things to uh, to, to spread and educate uh, those who, who need to know what's going on. I've noticed that uh, you've also begun a residential fiber installation series. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when we go and we, when uh, somebody calls in and wants to sign up for service, we go through how it works and everybody just assumes when they call in it's going to be run exactly like the incumbent cable company that there's not going to be any trenching in their yard or whatnot and we we started get people getting all confused like you have a crew that's going to come out and dig in your lawn and then a couple of days later you're going to have an inside crew that came in and we just really wanted to be more transparent about the process and kind of make it fun like this is what it's going to look like this is how the experience is going to go. And we just really want to get out there with more videos and more information of how fiber is different. Um, we, I think we, in the next few months, uh, we have some about our 10 gig and what you can use and how you do speed test. Um, but we're, we're going to explore all aspects of with this video series uh, about what's happening at Utopia. Even uh, this is a teaser. Roger is actually going to have his own um, little video series. Ask Roger anything. Because as you can tell, Roger knows everything about everything. (laughs) I I always say, (laughs) I'm trying to to keep up with Roger. So we're going to start doing that soon, which he's thrilled about, as you can tell, (laughs) on the call. But we really just want to get out and tell more of the story of what Utopia is and more on a um, a grassroots level and not from these high produced videos, just from who Aubrey, who's actually the one who narrates them from a younger perspective, not somebody who's been in this industry 10 years, sure. um, somebody who's been in the industry one who can articulate it better than us when we get into the ponds and, 
like cat fives and stuff. Like let's break it down to an easy, um, easy way to understand what we're doing. Put it in layman's terms. Absolutely. And exactly. Maybe at some point you can incorporate some, some video uh, clips of Roger out on the slopes um, mm-hmm. <laughs> into something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you once you see our new ad campaign coming out, it probably is going to be just Roger on the slope skiing <laughs> down. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's interesting in the ski industry, you know, be, being out there, I talk to a lot of people out on the slopes. And what we've seen is, you know, I, I talk to these people on the lifts. I'm like, well, where are you from? And what are you doing? What do you do for work? And what I've been amazed with is how many people have migrated and changed to a remote work environment and come to Utah to ski, right? So they, because of the the broadband availability and the remote work acceptance, people are like, well, I don't need to live in, you know, the in Silicon Valley or I don't need to live in certain markets anymore. I can do my work for half day uh, with a broad, good broadband connection and go hit the slopes. And that's become incredibly popular. Uh, it's not been great for housing pricing in Utah because it's skyrocketed. But, you know, from a quality of life perspective and ability to remote work and, and the use of broadband, it's been fantastic. And, yeah, and that's incre- just been an interesting impact of, of this, you know, remote work uh, push so, lately. Craig, now you can see who my market researcher is. Absolutely. Is Roger, who's out on the slopes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I'm research. <laughs> it's a dirty job. Someone has to do it. <laughs> I love it. As we begin to wrap up uh, our visit, um, obviously, what uh, has been created there uh, at Utopia is a phenomenally successful uh, approach uh, to open access and uh, wildly successful. And um, without question, the team chemistry that's in place with your team plays a huge role in that. Uh, if I could get both of you to uh, to touch on that uh, as we as we close close out today, Kim, you first. Yeah, I think the team chemistry at Utopia is really the secret sauce of why we are successful. Um, because when the when COVID hit back in March and we saw our demand skyrocket, I had customer service reps who were willing to work twelve hours to make sure we hit that demand, and I still see people who are willing to go above and beyond for this. It's not just a job for people who work at Utopia. It's really a passion and a mission um, to spread broadband throughout Utah and at, throughout the country. And I I will say this, we've had about 10 um, employees who've left and come back to Utopia um, to work there. And I think that says a lot about the company culture and what we're doing and the passion. Um, you know, we, we work really hard, but we, we are really a big family at Utopia. Um, and it is just a great place to work and a great um, a mission to be part of. So, and I mean, I don't like to give Roger a lot of credit, but he's uh, built a lot of this and uh, a lot of our success is uh, attributed to him. And and that's the only time I'll say that, Roger. So don't get used to it. <laughs> yeah, well, can we, we need to put that in a loop, you know. <laughs> we could do that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kim took a lot of the points I would have made. I mean, th- this is a passion for us. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously we have jobs and employment with Utopia, but, you know, we are a family and our family includes these cities, uh, the, the customers themselves. You know, we, we see them as the owner and, and stakeholders in, in the system because we are ultimately a community owned effort. And, and so we treat it that way. And, 
you know, if somebody's having a problem out there, we go out of our way to take care of them uh, because they are our, our family, they're our owner, uh, and, and we serve these communities and we recognize the needs they have. Uh, and, you know, to Kim's point, you know, we have people that will work 12 hour shifts or work, you know, over the weekends and, and do whatever it takes uh, to make this successful uh, and, and provide the very best service out there. And, and we have that attitude keeps people here. It keeps us happy. keeps us drives us crazy sometimes because it does demand a lot. Um, but we have fun and it's a, a great culture here. Uh, and, and we feel really good about what we're doing. I mean, it, it, it certainly is, uh, you know, makes us feel good when we see all the positive reviews and comments online and take a lot of pride in providing the fastest internet in the country, you know, and, and with the 10 gig offerings and, and just good service generally. And I want to put one thing to really put into perspective, I was just thinking as Roger talks, customer service is a very high turnover position. Um, I've been over customer service for five to six years now, and we've had three people leave. Um, Hard to comprehend. Yeah, I think that says a lot about what is really happening. I mean, that is that even from the highest position to the lowest position, it, it has infiltrated the passion throughout the whole company. Well, it is so amazing to, to watch what is being done uh, at Utopia. Congratulations on a phenomenal year. The growth continues. Uh, can't wait to visit on down the line uh, to, to hear more success stories. Uh, and thanks so much, both uh, Kim and Roger, for sharing your time uh, and the stories of what's going on there. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Craig. Absolutely. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Broadband Bunch. On behalf of everyone here, I'm Craig Corbin. Thanks for letting us be a part of your day. We'll see you next time right here on the Broadband Bunch. So long, everybody.